What's up, you guys? It is your boy, Tony Teton West, man, and I'm back at it again with episode 12, season two of Talks with Teton, the podcast, man. Thank you guys for joining in today, man. We got to get into a lot, man. A lot has definitely taken place in the uh, college football world, the NFL world. We got to talk about that. The NBA season starts in about five days, so we got to jump into a little NBA basketball as well. The preseason is wrapping up for most teams tonight on this Thursday night. Um, so yeah, we're definitely going to jump into that a little bit, but I do want to just kind of go over everything that we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about obviously some of the games that took place last week, look forward to some of the games that are taking place this week. And, um, also as well, we're going to talk a little college football. Um, definitely want to talk about what's taking place this weekend. We have a few good games that I want to touch on NBA briefly. Uh, we'll be more so doing a lot more NBA talking next week when the season actually starts. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to jump into a lot of things there, man. So let's go ahead and get started on some of the games that took place last week. Uh, I'm not going to go over too, too many games. I'm not going to go over every single game. Just kind of want to go over some games that kind of had some type of importance to it. Um, I'll actually start off with the Carolina Panthers, my team, um, heading over to London to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously in that week two uh, game on that Thursday night, you know, that was the last time we seen Cam Newton and he was a dismal. I mean, it was, it was bad. You could tell he was injured. You could tell he was not himself. Um, so yeah, definitely a completely different offense that we've seen this week. I mean, completely different. Um, you know, Cal Allen was all over the, you know, he was slinging the ball everywhere. Um, McCaffrey didn't put up the greatest stats, to be completely honest, but Curtis Samuels had a big day. DJ Moore had a big day. And that Carolina defense, you know, I thought about something. I think we're going to start calling the Carolina, because they lead in sacks right now in the, in the NFL. We should call the Carolina Panthers D-line Sack, Sacklenburg. And I'm going to tell you why. For you people that don't know, Charlotte is in Mecklenburg County. I like Sacklenburg. I mean, they are leading right now in the NFL with 27 sacks. I think the Patriots are right behind them with 26 sacks. But the Panthers actually lead right now in sacks. I think that has a lot to do with that new 3-4 defense. I think that also has a lot to do with the addition of Bruce Irvin. Uh, Brian Burns has made a big difference. Mario Addison is playing out of his mind. The Carolina Panthers defense looks really, really good. Um, even the secondary has brought back Thieves Avenue back from 2015 when they had their 15-1 and season. Carolina looks really good defensively. Uh, Offensive-wise, you did get to see a little bit more of the other players besides Christian McCaffrey. Um, a lot of people don't know Tampa Bay has one of the best rush defenses in the NFL. I believe they're actually number one. They have the best rush defense in the NFL, so McCaffrey didn't do much running the ball, but he still – it's just – it's, he has this effect to where he can go one way and three players follow him. So that opens up for other guys. Um, so, yeah, huge for the Carolina Panthers to get that win. And they're finding themselves now four and two, um, you know, going into their bye week. Uh, a lot of people are speculating that Cam Newton will be coming back next week to practice. How do you guys feel? I mean, Charlotte, I know it's been a big talk about Cal Allen, you know, Cam Newton. Do you keep rolling with the hot hand? Um, you know, me personally, I think you got to go with the best player who I believe is actually Cam Newton when healthy. But if I was the Panthers, I would definitely make Cam at practice run, throw. I need to see it all. I need to see everything. Can you be completely 100% up to your capability? I need to see him running at practice. I need to see him juking at practice. I need to see the full Cam Newton at 100% at practice before I say, okay, yeah, he's good to go. Because you don't want to bring him out there and then he gets hurt like the first two plays. If I'm Ron Rivera, when Cam comes back to work next week, um, I, he need to do everything for me for a few days, not just one or two, the whole week. I need to see him running around, throwing, you know, I need to see it all. Because, I mean, a lot of people feel like Kyle Allen should kind of keep riding the wave until they lose a game. And I, in a way, kind of don't disagree. 
Uh, I do think Cam Newton's the better player when healthy, but let's be honest, a lot of people don't realize this is not the Cam Panthers. This is the Carolina Panthers. You have to do what's best for the team. I love Cam. Cam is my favorite NFL player. I've been on record saying that several times, but we have to do what's best for the team if you are a Carolina Panther fan. So that's my personal take on that whole Cal Allen, uh, Cam Newton situation. But uh, I do believe that, you know, Carolina heading in four and two going into the bye week. Definitely, if you'd have told me that four weeks ago, I would have told you you're lying. So I definitely, you know, want to congratulate them. They're doing really good, and they just need to continue to push through. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks going on, taking a win in Cleveland, 32-28 uh, to 28 over the Cleveland Browns. I mean, at this point, I feel like we have to have a serious conversation about the Cleveland Browns. I mean, like I said last week, on paper, they looked amazing. Everybody thought this was probably the most talented team in the NFL. Cleveland Browns are finding themselves now 2-4 and four and haven't won a home game. Both of their, law, uh, both of their wins have been on the road. Um, Seattle is 5-1 and one right now, and a team that I think, to me, is the best team in the NFC West, even over the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, and we'll talk about that later on. But um, Seattle's been very impressive. Russell, West, uh, Russell Wilson is putting up, I mean, he's putting up, MVP-type numbers. I mean, this past week, he went 23 for 33, 295 yards, two touchdowns, no interception, with a QBR of of 86.1. I mean, amazing stats. Uh, Chris Carson even came to play, 24 carries, 124 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, at the Browns, I think you really have to start questioning, is Freddie Kitchens really the answer? Um, He kind of got gifted this job just because Baker Mayfield liked him, and Baker Mayfield has regressed. Um, He... Is like has thrown like five touchdowns, 11 interceptions right now. I believe he's leading the lead in interceptions right now. Baker Mayfield went 22 for 37, 249 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. So, I mean, we can see he's hitting a sophomore slump really bad. My question now at this point is, is Freddie Kitchens the guy for this job? That's what I'm really starting to question at this point. Um, did maybe he just gifted a look, get gifted, you know, a little bit too early. Um, but me personally, it's kind of disappointing to see Cleveland only being two and four with all that talent on that team. I mean, they are stupid stacked. Um, there's no way that they should be two and four right now, at least on paper. The next game I want to jump into is the Kansas City Chiefs and also the Houston Texans. They played against each other. Houston actually went into Arrowhead to get the win 31 to 24. Um, obviously Patrick Mahomes. He played all right, but, I mean, to his standards, it was just an okay game. Patrick Mahomes went 19 for 34, 273 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Deshaun Watson put on an absolute field day but didn't throw the best, but he did have 30 for 42, 280 yards, and a touchdown, and two interceptions. Um, I do want to talk about that real quickly. Um, Tariq Hill had that freakish touchdown catch in the uh, first quarter, which I thought was uh, amazing. That game was amazing in general. Um, I wouldn't be – Mad at all to see that again in the playoffs come January. But um, definitely I think that a lot of people are putting, and this is just a you know media thing, a lot of people are saying, you know, does Patrick Mahomes' playoff hopes, oh, does Patrick Mahomes' playoff hopes need to be put at, you know, risk at this point or whatever the case may be. Um, a lot of people feel like, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been so amazing um, that, uh-oh, breaking news. Oh, my God, breaking news. I think Patrick Mahomes may have just might have broke his ankle. Wow, I'm literally watching the game right now. I'm sorry. Breaking news, I, I, it did not look good. Patrick Mahomes was on the floor, and he could not move his ankle. So I don't know if it's sprung. I know he's been struggling with that ankle all week, but I just seen Travis Kelsey literally throw his helmet off. So I'm thinking that's not good news. But I'm sorry. It's just crazy that we were talking about them and they're actually playing right now against the Denver Broncos. But anyway, let me jump back in. Um, basically, um, that, wow, that just startled me. Um, basically, Houston came in and got this win. This was a, a good win for Houston. It was a big win for Houston. They find themselves 4-2 and two right now. And then, really, they're leading the, uh, the AFC South. is looking pretty clear for them. I think the Colts can be an issue for those guys. Uh, the Colts are playing way higher than their expectations. The Jaguars have kind of fell off a little bit after losing to Carolina and New Orleans back-to-back weeks. Um, and then, obviously, the Tennessee Titans just benched their quarterback. 
So, you know, at this point, I feel like it's basically Houston's to lose. Um, But I do want to go ahead and jump into the next game that I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Minnesota and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Minnesota went on to win 38-20 to the last couple weeks now. And I I will tell anybody, I am not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan, but he has been putting on an absolute clinic since he's got, you know, since, you know, guys were requesting trades and axing out of Minnesota because he can't throw the ball downfield. Kirk Cousins has been putting on an absolute clinic since then. Uh, in this game, and, and granted, Philadelphia Eagles secondary is not good either, but Kirk Cousins went 22 for 29, 333 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, man, this dude had a QBR of 93.9. Kirk Cousins, I'm not going to lie, I never thought I would say this, but I have to give Kirk Cousins some props. He has been very impressive. He's been very efficient. Really, since that Giants game, he's been efficient. I can't really complain about him the last two or three weeks or so here. He's been playing on another level. Um, And obviously, with the stats, you can see that he has. Stephon Diggs had a huge game. Seven receptions, 167 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Adam Thielen has six receptions for 57 yards and a touchdown. So he's feeding his main two targets. Um, So, yeah, man, I mean, it's just kind of crazy to see. Uh, I did want to give you guys kind of some breaking news also as well. looks like Patrick Mahomes is up and walking, but not on his own. So that's not good. It's not on his own power. Um, so I don't know what the case is. Um, I don't know if there's a knee injury or an ankle injury, but he's definitely okay. He's walking on his own power now, but just wanted to keep y'all updated, even though I know you guys won't hear this until Friday or Saturday or whatever the case may be, but praying for Patrick Mahomes, hope everything works out for him. Um, but yeah, back to Matt, uh, back to Kirk Cousins. I can't complain about Kirk Cousins, he's been. Uh, really, I hate to say it, tremendous the last two weeks. I can't slander him. I really take joy in slandering him, but I can't. I can't slander him. He's been really good. He's been very productive, um, and I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what I see right now with um, you know, with him. I, I'm, I'm very impressed. I mean, completely. I am impressed with Kirk Cousins. I never thought I would say that, but I am. I have to eat my own crow. Uh, the next game I want to talk about, and this is just because, you know, I'm stationed in Atlanta. We got to have a talk about the Falcons, man, at this point. Um, they're finding themselves 1-5 at this point. Um, obviously, just losing to a first-year coach, first-year quarterback, 34-33. Matt Bryan missed field goal, but that's not even why they lost. I mean, at, at one point in this game, I believe they were down like 27-7. to I mean, so that Matt Bryan field goal really ain't got nothing to do with them losing this game. Uh, this game was out of reach, and really they worked their way back into it in the third quarter. Um, me personally, I don't understand why Dan Quinn still has a job. Uh, one and five with all that talent. Um, Matt Ryan, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Once again, another person I love to slander. He had a great game. I mean, he really did. 30 for 36, 356 yards, four touchdowns, 80 QBR. I mean, he had a really good game. Devontae Freeman had a good game. 19 carries for 88 yards. Austin Hooper, man, he's been probably right now one of the best tight ends in the NFL this year with eight receptions, 117 yards on a touchdown. And obviously Julio had to get his with eight receptions and 108 yards. But the the problem was the defense. And guess who's calling the defense? Dan Quinn. The defense got completely shredded. I mean, Kyler Murray went 27 for 37, 340 yards and three touchdowns. QBR of 90.3. I mean, it's the, the defense is the problem. And I think that goes back on Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn took control of the defense after firing everybody. Now, I want to go, and I know I say this probably every podcast, but I'm going re- to reiterate it again. The Falcons are loaded at almost every single position. They're loaded at, I, I don't like Matt Ryan, but he's a top 10 to 15 quarterback. Probably top eight, really. Okay. Devontae Freeman went healthy, and that's his biggest problem. He's probably a top 10 to 15 running back. Wide receiving tandem, they probably have the best wide receiving tandem in the NFL. In Julio, Ridley, and Sanu. I can't think of, I'm trying to think of, is there anybody even really kind of, I would say Minnesota can compete kind of. But for the most part, I think the Falcons probably have the best wide receiving tandem in the NFL. Austin Hooper, you are you just read off that stats. He's having a tremendous year. I think he leads the lead right now in receptions for a tight end. So he's doing his thing. 
The defense, you have Grady Jarrett, which is a Clemson guy, one of the best young D tackles in the game. I mean, they're loaded at every freaking position, and they cannot find a way to win. I think that goes back on coaching. I think that goes back on Dan Quinn. And I think at this point you have to really, if they go out and lose this week to the Rams and they find them at home, they find themselves 1-6, basically already mathematically, well, you, yeah, 10-6, they're not going to win every other game. 9-7 and seven definitely gets them probably already halfway mathematically, you know, out of there because the NFC is so good. And the Saints haven't lost, and the Panthers haven't lost. So basically, a wild card at this point is even probably out the question. Um, yeah, I mean, losing on Sunday basically almost puts it completely out the cards um, because you got to play the Saints twice. <laughs> That's already at least one loss as it is. So that that puts seven on the board at that point. You have to play the Panthers twice, and the Panthers are playing really good ball right now. Um, I mean, at this point, man, if they lose this week and find themselves one and six, if I'm the Falcons, I'm, I'm packing it up. That's me personally. I'm packing it up. We 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 getting rid of Dan Quinn. We're starting to rebuild. We're not the rebuild with the retool because they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of young talent. Um, it's gonna have to be a rebuild. Oh well, retool. Let me not say rebuild because they have the quarterback. They have, I don't know. They might need a draft for running back. I'm not too sure about Freeman and his health. Um, they definitely have the wide receiving core. They have the tight end of the future. They just drafted two O linemen. That they don't need any offensive power. They need a, a edge rusher. I think you have to walk away from Vic Beasley, and I think you also may need a running back, maybe like second round when you're seeing guys like Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift. If you put that type of guy on on that Atlanta offense, my God, they're going to be deadly. Um, Jonathan Taylor is another one. Uh, Cam Akers from Florida State, a guy like that. You can put that into you know that offense. I mean, they're going to be ridiculous. But I did want to talk about that real quickly. I want to talk about San Francisco 49ers and the Rams. San Francisco still finding their way. They're five and zero right now, uh, winning this game over the Rams, twenty to seven. We found that the Rams have went on a little bit of a sled right now. Um, coming into Atlanta this week. They're off of three games left, so they're going to want to bounce back, and they're probably thinking this is the game to get right um, against Atlanta. And you really can't blame them because Atlanta haven't been able to stop a nosebleed. Um, So, yeah, San Francisco, I think they're real. Like I said last week with Chris, they're definitely a playoff contender. Uh, The big game, the shocking game of the week was Dallas going to New York. Or New Jersey, East Rutherford, right across the street from New York City. I mean, you can literally see it from the stadium. Um, going up there and taking an L to the Jets. Um, 24-22 was the shock of the week. That was the game Dallas should have walked in and knew they were going to win. Sam Donald came back and lit him up. Twenty, He went 23 for 32, 338 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Le'Veon Bell had 14 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown as well. And the crazy thing in this game is Zeke, and like we said last week, when Zeke eats, they more than likely win. Zeke ate in this game, and they still lost. 28, you know, 28 carries, 105 yards, and they still lost the game. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Anderson had a huge game, man. Five receptions for 125 yards. He had that big, like, 90 or 85-yard touchdown catch, which really was the majority of those yards. But he had a huge game. But just to see the Cowboys go from 3-0 and over to 3-3 three and three in three weeks, for me, is perfect because I hate the Cowboys and it's beautiful. But at the same time, it's like, dang, that's kind of low-key disappointing because, we, you know, I remember the first three weeks, all y'all, everybody was saying, oh, yeah, they the truth. Oh, yeah, everybody was crowning the, the Cowboys champions first three weeks. Like I said, they ain't played nobody. That Jets game was a walk-in-the-park win, and they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball on a walk-in-the-park win. It don't make no sense, man. I tell, Like I said last week with Chris on the podcast, those guys will not prosper until they get rid of Jason Garrett. Until then, man, ain't nothing changing for the Cowboys. I'm sorry. Ain't nothing changing for the Cowboys. And then I want to talk about the game on Monday night. Green Bay getting the win 23-22. And the crazy thing was Green Bay didn't lead until the end of the game. They never led in that game. Detroit is a really good team. And I'm not trying to discredit Green Bay. Detroit is a really good 2-2-1 two, two, team. Don't let that record fool you. 
That is a really talented team. But Green Bay now finding themselves five and one. Um, that's interesting. Aaron Rodgers, 24 for 39, 283 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Jamal Williams had a big game. I know he was hurt the past few weeks. Coming back, getting 14 carries, 104 yards, averaging 7.4 yards a carry is just crazy. So, I mean, we obviously, you know, Devontae Freeman, not Devontae Freeman, Lord, wrong Devontae. Devontae Adams still being hurt didn't really even seem like to be a problem for Rodgers because he still spread the ball around, but you obviously want to have your go-to wide receiver, obviously. But those kind of recap the games last week. I'm going to go through the games this week. Um, Obviously, right now, Kansas City is playing Denver, as I just told you guys a few minutes ago. Kansas City is up in the second quarter, 20-6. to six. I think Kansas City will probably end out this game. Um, the Like I said, another game we just talked about a little bit. The L.A. Rams come into Atlanta to uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday at 1 o'clock to play the Falcons. <sighs> I feel like if the Falcons lose this game, they might as well just get ready for the tank. Just get ready to just... Draft Chase Young or somebody like that and just get ready for the tank. At one and six, the Saints haven't lost a game without Drew Brees, all right? The Panthers haven't lost a game without Cam Newton. I mean, at this point, you're already three games out of second place. You're three games out of second place right now. That's just second place. And you're like four out of you might even be four and a half out of first. If you lose this game against the Rams, which I think is likely, I think the Rams win this game probably like 27 to 21. I think you got to just get the rebuild ready. You fire Dan Quinn Monday morning, tell him, you know, same as Jay Gruden, your keys don't work anymore, and call it a night. If I was the Falcons, and I would be begging they bring Kyle Shanahan back, I'd be on my knees begging, hey, man, let's bring you back. You brought us to a championship. That's me personally. But like I said, I think the Rams win this game probably like 27 to 21. Uh, Miami is obviously 0-5 right now. And Buffalo don't look too fast, but they're 4-1 right now. Um, I think they continue that. I think they go 5-1 this week by beating the Dolphins. I think they win probably like 27-10. to um, Next, Cincinnati and Jacksonville, two teams that are really just not that good. Cincinnati is quietly horrible. Nobody is saying a word about them, and they're 0-6 right now. But they are horrible. They are about in that same hemisphere as Miami. Um, I, I just think low-key, and I'm not trying to be rude to any Bengals fans, I just don't think nobody really cares about the Bengals like, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know not – only Bengals fan I actually know is Flimmo Raps. I don't know not any other Bengals fan on this earth, literally. Um, so I just think people don't care about them, so that's just that. But I think Jacksonville wins this – I think Jacksonville wins this game, even after the whole Jalen Ramsey. And we're going to jump into that in a few minutes too. I just want to go over these scores first, and then we'll jump into the trades. Um, Jacksonville wins this game probably like 24-20. Um, Minnesota and Detroit is going to be a big game too as well. Uh, I think Minnesota wins this game. I think Kirk Cousins has got on a high streak. Now, Matt Patricia and that defense is not going to play, you know, with, with Kirk Cousins. But I think Kirk Cousins kind of keeps it going. I think they win 27-17 to uh, 17 this week. Uh, I think next we want to go over to the um, Oakland, Oakland Raiders against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Oakland is actually surprisingly 3-2 and two and playing really good ball right now. I still take Green Bay in this game. Um, I would say probably 24-21, to 21, somewhere in that ballpark. Next, we have Houston and the Colts. Now, that's a big game because basically the winner of this game is going to take the division. Um, I think Houston wins this game. Uh, I think Indianapolis coming off on a bye week. I think Houston is kind of on a roll right now. I think they continue that. I think they win this game 35-31. Um, next, we got the Giants and the Arizona Cardinals, man. Giants, both of these teams are kind of in rebuilding mode. I'm not going to lie, man. I kind of like the Cardinals in this game in New York. I think I'm going to go Cardinals. I really do. I think I'm going to go Cardinals 31-24. to um, Next, I got San Francisco, the 5-0 San Francisco 49ers. Coming in to D.C. to play the Washington Redskins 1-5. I mean, at this point, I think we already know what Washington is. I'm definitely going San Francisco without a doubt, 27-10. Um, um, next, uh, we have the L.A. Chargers, who is, are really underperforming, but it's more so because of injury. Obviously, O'Cone being gone, Derwin, De- uh, Derwin James being gone for the year. Um, 
Tennessee is going through a lot of struggle, too. Obviously, just benching Mariota for Tannehill. I think the Chargers find a way to win this game. Um, you know, obviously, Keenan Allen has expressed his concerns about everything that's going on in L.A. right now. Um, but I think they get the win in this game. Now, this is probably going to be a defensive fault game. We have New Orleans versus Chicago um, at 425 window. New Orleans heading to Chicago is going to be a good one because that defense is going to really get after Teddy Bridgewater. I think for once, I think the Saints lose. If the Saints win this game, I think they may be the best team in the NFL between them and the Patriots. Um, I think Chicago gets after it after the bye week. Uh, they had time to sit on that loss they really shouldn't have took to the Raiders over in London. I think they have time now to kind of get that out their head and get back to work. So I think they'll get a win at home. Um, next, we have Baltimore and Seattle, which is low-key really a good game. Um, obviously, we've seen what Lamar Jackson have did this year. Now, he has tapered off throwing the ball-wise, but he's still a very talented individual. Uh, going into Seattle, Seattle's 5-1 right now, but I think their defense will have answers for Lamar Jackson in that offense. I'm going to take Seattle in this game, 34-31. Um, next, the Sunday night game that we have, we have Philadelphia against Dallas. I'm taking Philly at Dallas. Yes, I'm doing it. I'm taking Philly. Yes, sir. I think Philly wins this game close. I'm going to say something like 24 to 23, something real close. And then on Monday night, we got the Jets versus New England. I don't think the Jets are pulling off another upset like they did last week. I'm taking New England in this game in pretty large fashion. I'm going to say like 34 to 7. Um, so that basically covers the games for last week and this week. Now, I do want to talk about the trades. I want to talk a little bit about trades today. Um, obviously, we've seen what happened with the whole Jalen Ramsey situation. Jalen Ramsey, you know, he played his cards right. And to be honest, I like him. I like that players can kind of determine where they want to go. I have no problem with that at all. I like how it kind of has that NBA feel to it. I don't have a problem with that, honestly. I really don't. I like it. Jalen Ramsey played his hand right, and he forced his way out of Jacksonville. I can't blame him on that. I don't blame him at all. Um, he's one of the best cornerbacks in this game. I think somebody asked me, where would you place Jalen Ramsey, like, position value-wise? I think I put, like, four. Four or five. I, I would probably take five players over Jalen Ramsey position-wise. I would say, not in his position, but I'm saying overall. I would probably say Patrick Mahomes, Saquon Barkley, um, Christian McCaffrey, um, and then probably Jalen Ramsey right there at four. He's one of the best young defensive players in the NFL. And he's a shutdown corner. He's going to literally lock up a whole side for you if you need him to. Um, now, he has kind of underperformed this year. I'll admit that. But I think that has a lot to do with morale. I think he kind of knew from the beginning of this season he did not want to be in Jacksonville no more. So I think that was a whole Tom Coughlin thing. I think he kind of knew he didn't want to be there. So I think, you know, you play good, you feel good. You know, so that's kind of how it goes. If you feel good, you play good. Same thing. Um, but, yeah, they, uh, but the Jacksonville Jaguars did get a lot for him. They got a first-round pick 2020, first-round pick 2021, so two first-round picks out of it, and also a fourth-round pick. So they did pretty good. They gave up a lot to get Jalen Ramsey. But, you know, obviously I'm happy that guys are starting to force their way out and kind of do like the NBA, kind of make it like, look, man, we, we not owned. We do what we want. Um, I don't have a problem with that personally. I kind of like it. Um, and then also Marcus Peters was traded as well. He was traded to the Ravens uh, for some conditional picks. Um, I think that was just more so just preparing to get, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey to L.A. At this point, we already know Marcus Peters has underperformed really the last, really the last two seasons. If you, but really this season he's underperformed big time. Um, but last season he kind of underperformed, and then also as well, this season he's really underperformed. Um, so, yeah, I think they basically kind of just wanted to kind of get him off the books basically at this point, which I didn't really have a problem with because, like I said, he has underperformed. You obviously hate to see what's going on with Aqib Tlaib and things such as that. Injuries and things such as that have riddled him. But I think personally picking up Jalen Ramsey is huge. They're saying that he could even play this week against Atlanta. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I know, like I said, he just got picked up in the middle of the week, so I don't know if that'll work or not. But um, we'll see. 
We'll see how it works, man. But I'm excited about people kind of forcing their way out. I don't have any problem with it personally. Um, and I think it's good for the sport, man. I really don't have a personal problem with it at all. So that's my personal take on that. Um, I think that personally, the Rams are trying to just do what they do best. They're trying to say, look, we're here. We're here to stay and we need to win now. We don't have a window that's going to be open forever. And I, I kind of wish more teams would listen to them because you really don't have a forever window. Like, you really don't. I mean, look at teams like, let me think of a team that window closed quick. Jacksonville, perfect example. I mean, two years ago, they were in the AFC Championship, really like two plays away from being in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. I mean, I mean I'm just being completely real. Like, they... Their window closed quick, like within a year. It whoop closed, gone. Windows go quick in the NFL, so you have to be prepared for that, man. You really do. And I think that's a vital point that, you know, all teams should kind of take a note of is that, man, this thing doesn't last forever, man. I mean, it fades quick. You got to be prepared. And, I mean, it can literally go at any time, man. It really can, man. But uh, next, I want to jump into some college football, man. We got to talk about it. We had some big games this week. We had a lot of big plays this week that were played, made. And we got some big games from last weekend, too, that also have playoff implications. But we definitely got to talk about it, man. When we come back on Talks with T-Time, we're jumping right into college football, man. What's up, you guys? It's your boy, Tony T-Time West. And I would love to have you guys to be a part of my podcast. If you want to come on my podcast as a feature, just to call in as a fan or anything like that, I would love to have you guys on my podcast. If you're interested, let me know at AO underscore T time nine on Instagram and also as well on Twitter at AO underscore T time nine. I would love to have you on my podcast. everybody it is your boy tony t-time west man and we're back on talks with t-time episode 12 of season two man happy to have you guys back let's talk some college football man a lot of college football took place last week man i know we talked a little bit about last week georgia you already know i got some words for y'all just wait i I just please just wait (laughs) because we gonna get into y'all man we got to um Yeah, we're going to get into that, man. We're going to get into Georgia. But I do want to talk about some of the games that took place last week. Um, Obviously, you know, the ACC has been struggling, you know, really for the past two or three years. ACC had that one great year in 2016 when, like, everybody in the ACC was good. Like, Louisville had Lamar Jackson. They were great. Clemson had Deshaun Watson. They went on to win the national championship that year. Um, NC State was like a 9 or 10 win team. Miami looked great. Um, Everybody, Virginia Tech looked good. Um, I mean, the whole ACC, Boston College was even pretty impressive. Florida State wasn't horrible at that point. They were just like, all right, they would give you eight wins, though. I mean, they would still give you eight wins. Um, But now the ACC is a complete... um, Mess. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's a complete mess, man. The ACC is just a complete mess. And I think this game on Friday kind of showed that where the Virginia Cavaliers coming in that game four and one lost to the Miami Hurricanes who were coming into that game two and three. Um, The ACC Coastal is probably the worst division in college football in power five for sure. It's got to be. Um, and I'm an ACC advocate, but I cannot advocate for this. The ACC is horrible, man. I mean, it's bad. But Miami did go on and actually upset. And I don't even really know if you can call that an upset because talent-wise, they should beat Virginia. But um, Miami knocked off Virginia. A lot of people believe that they are the best team in, you know, in the, the second-best team in the ACC. But a lot of people believe they were the best team in the ACC Coastal. Um, and obviously, that does not look like the case. Every week, it seems like it changed which team is the second best team to Clemson. Um, 
I mean, literally, it seems like every freaking week it's a who's who's the second best because we already know Clemson's the best team, and I don't think anything that's close at that point. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But at this point, there's nobody even scratching the surface at Clemson. Um, obviously, a lot of people now Wake Forest just gave up sixty some fifty nine points or sixty some points to Louisville. So now a lot of people believe Louisville is the second best team. Um, in the ACC, and guess who they play this week? Clemson. So, I mean, I, I just don't know personally what I can say about who's the best, the second best team in the ACC. Um, but the ACC sucks. There, it's bad. I mean, it's 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 completely bad. It's really bad. Um, it's just it's just bad. I can't I can't really explain it any other way. I mean, it's just really bad. It's just not good football being played in the ACC at all, at all. It's just not. Um, it's literally Clemson, and Clemson's backups are probably the second-best team in the ACC. Um, but I want to talk about the Coastal a little bit. At this point, the Coastal is complete. Besides Georgia Tech, poor Tech, but besides Georgia Tech, literally anybody can win the ACC Coastal. Now, if you ask me who's the best team in the ACC Coastal, I'm going to say Carolina is. Uh, and that's just me being completely honest. I think they're the most physically equipped to keep up with Clemson. I think they're probably – maybe even possibly already the best coached. I mean, David Cliff is amazing, but the talent doesn't equal up. I think Carolina has a little bit more talent. Um, I haven't gave in on Virginia yet, but obviously Pittsburgh, they're 4-2 and two right now, and the rest of their schedule looks really easy. Like, the rest of their schedule looks really, really – I think it's right now between Carolina and Pittsburgh on who's the best coming out of the Coastal or the second-best team in the ACC. I want to read Pitt's schedule for you real quick, and you tell me how much you think – how many games you think they win out the schedule. They have Syracuse next. I think that's a win. They have Miami after that. I think that's a game that's up for grabs, but it's in Pittsburgh. So I think that could be a win. You have Georgia Tech here in Atlanta. I think that's a win. The Carolina game, November 14th, is going to determine who's going to win in the Coastal, to me. Um, That game is up for grabs, but once again, it's November and it's in Pittsburgh. So that's an advantage for them. Then the 23rd, the week before Thanksgiving, you go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has looked absolutely horrible this year. And then after that, you go uh, BC comes to you. So you have Boston College on the uh, two days after Thanksgiving. So... Really, they could really win every single game left on their schedule, to be completely honest. We want to be real. I don't see anybody on their schedule even really challenging them, to be completely honest. I don't. But forget all that. Let's talk about some real football. Let's talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks knocking off the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, first and foremost, anybody that knows me know I'm a huge Clemson. I'm a huge Clemson fan than I am anything. Um. I will give South Carolina their little credit. Little brother, you did a good job. And for one time, I'm actually proud of you because I was tired of Georgia fans. I felt like Georgia Bulldog fans should have been humbled. I'm going to be honest. I did. I worked with everybody. I just moved to Georgia, if you don't know, in the last month. Everybody I worked with is either a Georgia Tech fan or Georgia fan. So it was beautiful to come into work. On 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 Tuesday, because I, I was off on Monday, so on Tuesday, and come in and just talk my crap. It was amazing because y'all lost to our little brother, and y'all talk so crazy about Clemson, Georgia fans especially. Y'all always worried about, oh, Clemson barely beat this team. Y'all lost to our little brother that they haven't beat us in five years. Y'all lost to a third-string quarterback. A third-string quarterback, bro. I mean, we got to have a conversation, man. (laughs) And I know y'all ain't going to like to hear this, Georgia fans. We got to have a conversation about Kirby Smart, man. (laughs) We really do. Him and Mark Rick are identical twins. There's no difference. Only thing different is that Kirby is recruiting a little bit better than Mark is. Besides that, there's really no difference. They have the exact, through their first four seasons, they have the same exact, the same exact record. Same exact. Not a point, like, not even, it's same exact record. Same exact. So if you guys that think Kirby Smart is just so much better than Mark Rick, I'm just being honest with you, man. The stats say otherwise, and I personally don't think he's really much better than Mark Rick. 
That's me being completely honest. He gets the number one recruiting class every year and still hasn't won a ring yet. You had Alabama. You had them second and 26 in Mercedes-Benz and couldn't, couldn't end the deal. Last year, you dropped the game to LSU. You shouldn't have lost. I mean, literally, like, oh, that, that's weird that I said Kirby Smart, and they're literally showing him on the TV screen. Now, that's so weird. But anyway, Kirby Smart is a good coach, but he ain't great. Let's stop putting him on that same realm as, like, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. Chris Peterson is another guy at Washington that's amazing. Let's stop putting him on that realm because he's more so in like the James Franklin realm, which is not bad. James Franklin is a good coach from Penn State, and his Penn State Nittany Lions look real good, and we're going to talk about them in a few seconds. But put put him more in that range. Kirby Smart is not a top three or five coach. I would put him more like in that nine, eight, seven range. I can name eight coaches that are probably better than Kirby Smart right now. I would say Dabo Nick, that's automatic. Chris Chris Peterson, I know he's at Washington and they don't win a lot. I mean, they don't they don't like go to, you know, playoffs every year, but that's he's a good coach. I mean, he really is. He's a good coach. I would put honestly, it's a few teams that you they might not have a better record than than George over the last few years, but I would still put some coaches ahead of Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is just a good coach. He's not great. He's just good. He's a good coach. But winning a national championship, I don't know about that. But I just wanted to jump in on Georgia because now you find yourself. Now, I'm not on the bandwagon of Georgia's done for the playoffs. I don't think they are. That's just me being because SEC bias. And on top of that, they went out, they're in. If they went out, they're going to be in. I mean, they got. You know, they got um they got Kentucky this week. This is obviously a bounce back game at home. You do not want to lose to Kentucky. If you find yourself losing to Kentucky, losing two back to back home games to teams you should have lost, it's gonna be smoking Athens. Um then after that you got the biggest game, biggest cocktail bowl down in Jacksonville on November second. You got that against Florida. Don't sleep on Missouri. They're actually number one in the SEC East right now. Now, granted, they can't play in any bowl games or anything like that anyway, or even conference championship, I believe, because of that postseason ban they got. But Kelly Bryant got Missouri looking good. Don't sleep on them. They might want to play spoiler. Um, I'm not a big believer in Auburn, but Georgia does have to go to Auburn this year in November 16th. So that's about a month away. Um... How will they vanish that game? I mean, this, I think Texas A&M and Georgia Tech, those are two you should win games. Let's just spectate here. They're more than likely going to face either Bama or LSU in the, in, the, in the SEC championship if they make it there. Because I'm not quite sure Georgia's better than Florida. I don't know if I'm quite sure of that, honestly. I don't know if I can go on record and say, yeah, Georgia's better than Florida. Now, after what I've seen last week, I don't know that. Florida actually looked kind of decent against LSU, even though they lost. LSU has an unstoppable defense, right? I mean, offense right now. I mean, they're unstoppable. LSU, if this is going to be the year they beat Bama, I think this might be the only year they do it because they, the talent is there, man. They got talent. But South Carolina going to beat Georgia, Georgia, I don't know, man. The likelihood of you getting in the playoffs is still not good, especially you got to be. The thing now is you have to beat Bama. There's no other way around it. There's no other way to maneuvering around Bama. You have to beat Bama, and they have been your psychological abuser the last two or three years. Got to get past Bama. Next, Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry gets to win over Texas. This is always such a good game. Uh, Oklahoma won 34-27. Like I said, um, this is just always a good game. doesn't matter what the team's record is. It's always a good, good game. Uh, Jalen Hurts went 16-28, 235 yards, uh, three touchdowns and an interception. Jalen Hurts also carried the ball 17 times for 131 yards and a touchdown. And CeeDee Lamb, between him and Jerry Judy, both of those guys are top two 
wide receivers in the game right now with 10 receptions, 171 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, Sam Elger didn't play horrible. He went 26 for 38, 210 yards. Um, I mean, obviously, like I said, this game was always a close game. I feel like this was the most that Jalen Hurts was, like, challenged, to be honest, because every other team he just ran through because of their defense. Uh, but this game felt more so like he actually had to work for it. Um, I told you guys this would be this would be the game that he's going to actually have to work for. I told you guys that last week that Texas probably is going to be the best defense that he's played all season, and it showed. It showed that was the best team he played all season, uh, defensive wise. Uh, I want to talk about you know Alabama and A and M. A and M has been so um, underwhelming. I mean they have been really not that good. I really don't even see how they rank twenty four. They have been very underwhelming. Um, they're finding themselves now three and three, um, losing to Alabama forty-seven to twenty-eight. Uh, at this point, I think it's really between Jalen Hurts and Tua and Joe Burrow right now for the Heisman. Um, Tua Tagovailoa, man, you know, twenty-one uh, passes for thir- twenty-one completions, thirty-four attempts, four touchdowns, one interception, two hundred ninety-three yards. I mean, with these wide receivers, man, it's like a track race, man. Once they get their hands on the ball, who wants it? Who wants to score? I mean, that's really what it is with that wide receiving core. I mean, I'm a Clemson fan, but, man, that wide receiving core is real, man. That Alabama wide receiving core may be one of the best wide receiving cores we've ever seen in college football, period. Um, I mean, they are loaded. They have a lot of speed. Those guys catch the ball, and they can get out in space and make a lot of things happen. Um, and I know I just brought up Clemson, but let's talk about Clemson. Clemson bounced back this week, man. Before you blinked, it was already 28 to nothing in the second quarter. Um, Clemson won 45 to 14 over the Florida State Seminoles. Um, Trevor Lawrence went 17 for 25, 107 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Um, Travis Etienne really bounced back this game with 17 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown as well. Um, Justin Ross had a huge game with two touchdowns. He had five receptions for 61 yards. Um, Clemson definitely seemed like they, they heard the disrespect this week, and they woke up. And the funny thing is they're kind of still being disrespected. Because they just blew out Florida State and they got moved down to number three. But that's because LSU beat Florida. And we're going to jump into that in a few minutes. But definitely good win for Clemson. Obviously, they're playing Louisville this week. You definitely want to probably do some more of the same. Just kind of blowing them out. Getting them out the water. Blow them out early. Um, so I definitely think that you should take partake in that uh, if you're Clemson. I want to talk about uh, Penn State versus Iowa. Um, Iowa. Uh, stayed in the game, you know, and I picked Iowa last week. I think it was kind of a similar score. I think I picked Iowa like 14 to 17 or something like that, but they did lose to Penn State 17 to 12. Penn State has a big game this week against Michigan. They are the better team in my opinion. I think Penn State is talented. I think they're probably the mm, second or so we'll see in a few weeks. A lot of a lot of questions about the back, the Big Ten will be answered in the next few weeks because I think the week after next we get Penn State versus Ohio State, which that's going to tell a lot. So we'll get that, and then Wisconsin, Ohio State, that's going to tell a lot because all three of those teams right now, Penn State, Ohio State, and, and um, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, Wisconsin, they all look amazing right now. So um, that's that. And then uh, Notre Dame got the win over USC 30-27. to Just kind of want to touch up on that game a little bit. USC did keep it close, which I figured they would. Um, but I kind of want Notre Dame to impose their will because I think Notre Dame is actually better than they were last year. Um, and then the biggest game of the weekend that probably at this point everybody watched and talked about uh, was LSU versus Florida. I want to jump into that game a lot because we we talked a lot about that game last week and how it has such uh, playoff implications, especially for Florida. But I'm kind of feeling the same way about Florida as as Georgia. If Florida wins every game for the rest of the season, they're going to find themselves in the playoffs. So they really didn't kill themselves, you know, losing this game. Um, you know, LSU 42 to 28 winning this game. Like I said, that offense has been unbelievable. Joe Burrow have, has been like a machine, man. I can't even lie. 21 for 24, 293 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Clyde Edwards, Hellier had a huge game, 13 carries, 434 yards. So that's 10 yards a carry, basically, and uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Jamar Chase continues to show he's one of the best wide receivers in the country with seven receptions, 127 yards, two touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson as well has just continued to shine. 10 receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. I just uh, I just want to imagine what this offense would have been with 
a quarterback like Joe Burrow and then wide receivers like Landry and, you know, Odell Beckham. I mean, that's just insane to even think about. But this LSU team is real, man. I mean, I, I can't talk bad on Joe Burrow this year because he has shut me up completely. He has been a star. He has been phenomenal. I've eaten crow. I want to apologize to Joe Burrow because, as I always say, last year we used to rag on Joe Burrow in the podcast on all things college football. You can go back and listen to it. It's still up on iTunes. Um, We used to rag on Joe Burrow a lot last year, and he has really proved us wrong. So I want to give him some credit. Um, But I want to jump into some of the big games this week, the games that matter. Um, let's talk a little Florida, South Carolina at 12 o'clock. Now, South Carolina had Florida beat last year at Florida. A lot of people don't remember. They had that game beat in Gangsville. Florida comes to South Carolina. South Carolina is just riding off an emotional high. They just beat the number three team in the country. Can Florida bounce back from the LSU game? And can South Carolina keep their composure? Can they knock off another top 10 team? In my personal opinion, no. I don't think they will. But, I mean, hey, who knows? If that was me, though, I would take Florida in this game like 34-24. I think they win this game in that type of, type of fashion. Uh, the next game, just for ACC reasons that have ACC implications to it, Clemson playing Louisville, I don't think this game will really be close. I think Clemson wins like 56-20, to 20, something like that, over Louisville. I'm not going to really jump too much into that game. Um, a 3-30 game that we got out in the Pac-12 that has big implications on it as well is uh, Oregon versus Washington. I kind of wish both of these teams was either undefeated or they both have one loss. With Washington having two losses this game, has kind of lost its luster because a lot of people believe the Pac-12 North was going to come to this game between Oregon and Washington. I think Oregon wins this game and pretty deciding factor. I would probably say somewhere in the guidelines of like 34 to 20. Um, another game that I want to talk about this week um, that is very interesting, at least in my perspective, I think it is. I want to talk about SMU and uh, Temple. I mean, SMU is 6-0 right now. Nobody's talking about them being 6-0. I know, granted, they are in the American League. Temple just knocked off Memphis, which I told you guys would be a good game. And now they're finding themselves 5-1. Only, you know, one loss on the season. SMU is loaded, but I think this is the week they get knocked off. I'm taking Temple in this game, 27-24. Um, next, I want to talk about Baylor. Baylor is undefeated right now as well, 6-0, going against Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State has been pretty impressive this year as well. A lot of people believe this was going to be kind of like a rebuilding year for Oklahoma State. But with Tylen, you know, Wallace and guys such as that, they've been amazing this year, finding themselves to be 4-2. Um, Baylor comes into uh, Stillwater this weekend. That's going to be an interesting game because we really don't know what to expect. Um, me personally, I think there's not going to be a lot of defense played in this game. I personally probably believe that Baylor wins this game and continues their undefeated streak, and they find themselves, you know, winning this game probably in the realms of like I would say like 49 to 48, something crazy but close. Um, Utah, another good Pac-12 game. Uh, Utah versus Arizona State. Arizona State, Herm Edwards really has his guys playing for him right now. They're 5-1. Utah is 5-1 as well right now. Only loss was to USC this season. I think Utah wins this game. I think Utah kind of gets into their groove, finds a way to win this game 24-20. Next, probably the biggest game of the week and probably the game that most people will be paying attention to is the 7-30 game. you know, on ABC, Michigan versus Penn State. Now, this game is in Happy Valley or Nappy Valley, whatever y'all like to call it. Um, this is going to be an intense game. Now, Jim Harbaugh, I believe these past few weeks have kind of saved this job because the first couple weeks was looking kind of rough. Me personally, I think Penn State wins this game, man. I think Penn State is the better team. I think personally Penn State is better coached. I think they have more talent. And personally, I just don't believe in Michigan offense. These last two weeks, yes, I'll admit, Michigan's offense has looked a lot better since the Wisconsin game. But I still don't really quite believe in their offense. I'm just not quite buying into Shea Patterson. That's just my personal opinion. Um, So those are basically the games for this week. Um, I'm obviously taking Penn State in that game. Give me Penn State 27-20 to in that game. Um, 
so yeah, that's basically the games of the week that you know we'll be focusing on. Um, I think this is kind of like a lighter week of college football. This is not really like the best week of college football. Like last weekend was a pretty good week of college football. Next weekend is supposed to be a pretty good week of football. So we'll see. Um, but I'm not too fond of this week of football, to be completely honest. It's not as many good games, you know, to me at least. Once again, this is to me, I'm a college football junkie. So I love, you know, good games, but I don't see too many games where I'm like, okay, I have to see that game. I have to see that game. I have, like, I don't see, I don't see any games like that to me personally. I don't see any games like that. Now, we all are different, but I just don't see any games like that to me. Now, me personally, I think that, you know, I feel like the end of October kind of, because I think the end of October kind of starts telling what the season is going to be. Because if you really think about it, the college football playoff, you know, Things start kind of taking place in about two weeks from now. The college football ranking takes place in two weeks from now. Things such as that. So everything's going to kind of be unfolding in in just a few weeks. I mean, literally, in just a few weeks. So I think we just kind of look forward to that right now. Um, who do you think your top five teams is right now? Um, who do you believe in? Who do you think is, you know, teams that can really make a, a stand right now? Because personally, I see a few teams, and I'm not going to mention any right now, but I see some teams that really could make a difference soon, man. So that's my personal opinion on it. I want to get you guys' opinion on it, what you guys think. When we come back, I want to talk a little NBA basketball, not for long, but I really do want to jump into some NBA and kind of see how you guys feel about some of these teams. Who do you think your top eight teams are from the NBA? We're going to jump into that when we come back. We really got to you know, kind of see how that's going. So we really want to jump into that when we get back. What's up, you guys? And it is your boy, Tony Teton Westman, and we're wrapping up the show here. I did want to talk about some uh, NBA basketball with you guys for just a few minutes, man. The season is approaching, man. This is the best time of the year, kind of around that end of October, November ballpark where you're getting, you know, college football, NFL. You get the World Series coming up in a few weeks. Um, You know, basketball is kicking off. Everything is taking place, man. So this is always, to me, my favorite time of year because all the sports just kind of come together, man. So I love this time of the year, man. But I do want to talk about some NBA basketball real quick. Just kind of go over some headlines shortly. Bradley Bill today actually agreed to a two-year extension on his deal, which basically is going to put him in Washington until, I believe, 2022. He signed a two-year deal for for $72 million dollars. Um, basically putting him in Washington long term. Um, it kind of sucks for Bradley Bill because it, even though they have John Wall, I'm just kind of wondering have we seen the best of John Wall now, especially after injuries that he's sustained, especially you know last year being out the whole year. Maybe he can bounce back. But Washington is a bad team, man. They are not good. Um, even with John Wall before he got hurt, they were not a good team. Um, a lot of people forget that, but they were not a good team at all. So I don't know if they did that more so for just trade value. I'm not sure, and that's kind of what I've been hearing. But, you know, apparently he kind of wants to stay, you know, in Washington. So, hey, that's on him. Good luck to him, man. Um, Anthony Davis also, um, his MRI for his thumb came back negative. He actually played last night. And I'm telling you, man, L.A., the Lakers look very impressive. With him and LeBron on the same team, they look very impressive. You can tell the chemistry is there. You can tell those guys actually like playing with each other. I know it's preseason, but those guys look really, really, really impressive. And my Hawks, man, they got a dub last night, man. Not mad at my Hawks at all. Trey Young looks like a superstar in the making for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Hawks fan. This guy in one year is probably already a top 10 point guard. And here's why. 
He changes the game in so many dynamic perspectives. He reminds me a lot of Steph Curry. I know people hate that comparison, but that's who he really reminds me of. He plays just like him. Um, I definitely think Trey Young is in the top 10 of point guards right now. I would say, you know, and not in any order, but these guys are top 10 in my personal opinion. Um, Obviously, you have to put Steph. I guess you would consider James Harden a point guard now. Um, Steph, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, um, you know, Kimball Walker, Ben Simmons is considered a point guard as well. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I would put up there with them. Um, that's five already. I'm trying to think. Give me a few more seconds to think. Oh, Kyrie Irving, obviously that's six. Um, I'm thinking somebody else. Yeah, I mean, after that. You kind of start putting guys like Trey Young in that. Now, I don't know if you consider Luka Donich a point guard. Some people consider him a power forward. Some people consider him a point forward. I kind of consider him like a power go- a, a point guard, kind of similar to, well, kind of like they call it a point forward now, but kind of similar to, to Ben Simmons. So I guess you would kind of throw him in that mix, but you can't tell me Trey Young ain't better than somebody like Mike Conley. I mean... I think Trey Young and Mike Conley are already about on the same level as of right now. Not history wise, but I'm saying right now, I would take Trey Young over Mike Conley. Uh, me personally, I would take Trey Young over Terry Rozier. I would take Trey Young over a lot of guys. I would say Trey Young is in that top ten realm. I'm trying to think of anybody else that is a point guard that I would say, okay, yeah, he's absolutely above Trey Young. I can't think of one. Besides those six or seven people I just named off, Kyrie, Russell, um, CP3, yeah, I would probably put him in that. I would put him maybe on the same realm as Trey Young. CP3, um, Luka Donish, Ben Simmons. After that, Steph Curry, James Harden. I mean, after that, that's really like where he starts coming to play, and that's I just named six to seven people. So Trey Young comes in that eight to nine ball. I can't name anybody else that is completely just straight up better than 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 Trey. I can't think of not one guy right now that's just flat out. It's no doubt about it. He's better than Trey. Oh, John Wall, you can throw that in there. But once again, he's kind of in that eight, nine, ten ball part range. So he's kind of right in there with Trey Young, honestly. Um, I think Trey Young's the top ten, you know, point guard in the game right now. But I was definitely impressed with what I seen with him last night. Um, obviously, right now the Hawks are actually losing pretty bad to the Bulls. But I definitely think Trey Young is definitely a center star. I'm gonna make this short because I know this one's been a long podcast. But I'm gonna name off my top eighteen. I talked about it last week, but this week I'm actually gonna name off my top eight teams by division. What I think the top eight teams will be. So. At one, I think the 76ers are coming out the East. I do. I think this is the year. Or Milwaukee. So that's who's number two. I'm putting Milwaukee number two. I would put at three, I would put Boston. At four this year, I'm putting Brooklyn. But when KD come back, they're definitely going to be in that top two, three range. At five, I would put the Indiana Pacers. At six, I would probably put the Boston Celtics. At seven, that's when I don't know. That's when things kind of get eerie. I would probably put Miami Heat at seven because of Jimmy Butler. And then at eight, it's between three teams to me. The Detroit Pistons, the Orlando Magic, who had a really good year last year, and I can see them getting back to the playoffs, or the Toronto Raptors. Those are the three teams I can see fighting for, like, 7th, 8th, 6th, all down in there together. But if I had to start today, it would be, I'm going to say this again, 76ers first. Second team would be Milwaukee. Third team to me would be the Boston Celtics. Fourth would be the Brooklyn Nets. Five would be the Indiana Pacers. And then six to me would be the Miami Heat. And then seven, I think it's between, like I said, Detroit, Orlando, and, you know, Toronto. That would be my choice. I think the Hawks are going to be right on the outside looking in. And we already know the Hornets are the worst team in the the NBA, period. So let's go over to the west side. 
I think the best team in the West right now to me is still the L.A. Clippers. As of right now, I think the L.A. Clippers are the best team in there. And I would say the Lakers are number two, me personally. I would say the Lakers are number two. Then after that, I would probably say Houston's number three. Then after that, I would probably more likely say Portland Trailblazers are number four. And then after that, I say you would probably put Golden State at five. And then after that, I think um, I think you got I actually I'll put Denver at five, Golden State at six. I got a feeling New Orleans gonna make the playoffs this year. I'm gonna put New Orleans at seven. And then I'm putting Utah Jazz in at eight. I know they have a lot of talent, but the West is just so stacked. I think they'll get in at probably like anywhere between six to eight. I can see the Jazz getting in. But that is my predictions for the NBA season. What do you guys think? Uh, I do kind of want to hear what you guys think about my predictions on the NBA playoffs, my early predictions. Um, now, obviously, like I said, we have months, a long time from now, to see you know what's going to actually play out. But I don't see why it can't play out. I don't see why, you know, this is gonna be this is gonna be a real this is gonna be a real interesting season, man. I'm excited, man. I can't wait. This it's like the first year I'm actually waiting for NBA season because it's gonna be interesting, man. It really is. I'm excited about NBA season. It's gonna be fun, and um, I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Talks with T Time podcast, man. Um, Obviously, man, we've been pumping these things out like crazy, man. You guys have been showing the love and support. We are almost to 1K listeners, man. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Continue to shout out the page, man, on Instagram, on Twitter. Continue to show love to the podcast. I really do appreciate you guys, man. And we are out for the week, man. We will see you guys next week.